0: Everybody and welcome back to another episode of reading harry potter with an 11 year old and today we are going to be reading chapter eight the potions master um harry potter and the philosopher's stone um now it's kind of awkward for me to do this because i just did a double upload uh because i literally just uploaded uh reading like the first maybe one or two pages with my sister, and um, it was kind of enjoyable because my sister doesn't usually like reading Harry Potter. Uh, so this podcast is intended for all ages, whether it be one years old, two years old, three years old, or one trillion years old, because no matter who you are, you just deserve to listen to some Harry Potter. So that's why I'm here today, reading some Harry Potter. Uh, please make sure to share this with your friends and family if they enjoy listening to harry potter and uh anyone really um doesn't matter so please leave a voice link to critique my reading and to help me read better um there'll be a voice link message in the description below so i don't want to really waste any more time Let's get started to reading Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, Chapter 8 The Potions Master. Okay, let's start. Chapter 8 The Potions Master. There, look. Where? Next to the talking red hair. With the red hair. Wearing the glasses? Did you see his face? Did you see his scar? Whispers? Whispers followed Harry from the moment he left his dormitory the next day. People queuing outside classrooms stood on their tiptoe to get a look at him, or doubled back past him in the corridors again staring. Harry wished they wouldn't, because they because he was trying to concentrate on finding his way to classes. There were one hundred and forty two staircases at Hogwarts wide, sweeping ones, narrow, rickety ones, something that some that led somewhere different on Friday, some with a vanishing step halfway, so that you had to remember to jump. There were doors that wouldn't un- that wouldn't open unless you asked them politely or tickled them exactly in the right place. And there were doors that weren't really doors at all, but solid walls just pretending. It was also very hard to keep to remember where everything anything was because it all seemed to move around a lot. The people in portraits kept visiting each other, and Harry was sure that the coats of armour could talk. The ghosts didn't help either. It was always a nasty shock when one of them glided glided suddenly through a door you were trying to open. Nearly Headless Nick was always happy to point the new Gryffindors in the right direction, but Peeves the poltergeist was worth two locked doors and a trick staircase if you met him when you were late for class. He would drop a waste paper ba- He would drop waste paper baskets under your head, onto your head, pull rugs from under your feet, and pelt you with bits of chalk, or sneak up behind you, invisible, grab your conk, and screech, "Gotcha conk!" Even worse than Peeves, if that was possible, was the caretaker, Argus Filch. Harry and Ron managed to get on the wrong side of him on their very first morning. Filch found them trying to force their way through a door which unluckily turned out to be an entrance to the out-of-bounds corridor on the third floor. He wouldn't believe that they were lost and was sure they were trying to break into it on purpose and was threatening to lock them in the dungeons while they were rescued by Professor Quirrell who was passing. Filch owned a cat called Mrs Norris, a scrawny, dust-coloured creature with bulging, lamp-like eyes just like Filch's. She'd patrol the corridors alone, break a rule in front of her, put just one toe out of line, and she'd whisk off to Filch, who'd appear wheezing two seconds later. Filch knew the secret passageways out of the school better than anyone, except perhaps the Weasley twins, twins, and could pop up as suddenly as any of the ghosts. The the students all hated him, and it was the dearest ambition of many to give Norse a good to give Mrs. Norris a good kick, and then once you had managed to find them, you, there were the lessons themselves. There were a, there was a lot more to magic, as Harry quickly found out, than waving your wand and saying a few funny words. They had to study the night skies through the telescopes every Wednesday at midnight, every Wednesday at midnight, and learn the names of different stars and the movements of planets. Three times a week, they went out to the greenhouses behind the castle to study herbology with a dumpy little witch called Professor Sprout where they learnt to take care of all the strange plants and fungi and found out what they were used for. Easily the most boring lesson was History of Magic which was the only class taught by a ghost. Professor Binns had been very old indeed when he'd fallen asleep in front of the teacher's staff room fire and got up the next morning to teach leaving his body behind him. Spins droned on and on and on while they scribbled down names and dates and got Emric the Evil and Oric the Oddball mixed up. Oric the oddball mixed up. I don't know if it's Uric or Oric. Huh. I'm not sure. It's U R I C but I'm not sure. Um tell me. Uh in a voice link. Professor Flitwick, the charms teacher, was a tiny little wizard who had to stand on a pile of books to see over his desk. At the start of their lesson, he took the register, and when he reached Harry's name, he gave an excited squeak and toppled out of sight. Professor McGonagall was again different. Harry had been right to think she wasn't a teacher to cross. Strict and clever, she gave them, um, she... She she gave them a talking to the moment they had sat down in her class, in her first class, transfiguration. is some of the most complex and dangerous magic you will learn at Hogwarts. She said, "Anyone messing around in my class will be will have to leave and will not come back. You have been warned." Then she changed her desk into a pig and back again. They were all very impressed and couldn't wait to get started but soon they realised they weren't going to be changing the furniture into animals for a long time. After making a lot of complicated notes, they were each given a match and started trying to turn it into a needle. By the end of the lesson, only Hermione Granger had made any difference to a match. Professor McGonagall showed the class how it had gone all silver and pointy and gave Hermione a rare smile. The class everyone had been looking toward forward to was defence against the dark arts, but Quirrell's lessons turned out to be a bit of a joke. His classroom smelled strongly of garlic, which which everyone said was to ward off a vampire which he'd met in Romania, and was afraid would be coming back to get him one of these days. His turban, he told them, had been given to him by an African prince as a thank you for getting rid of a troublesome zombie, but they weren't sure they believed his story. For one thing, When When Seamus Finnegan asked eagerly how how Quirrell had fought off the zombie, Quirrell went pink and started talking about the weather. For another, they noticed a funny smell hung inside the turban, and the Weasley twins insisted that it was stuffed full of garlic as well, so that Quirrell was protected wherever he went. Harry was very relieved to find out that he wasn't miles behind everyone else. Lots of people had come from muggle families, and, like him, had had any idea that they were witches and wizards. There there was so much to learn that even people like Ron didn't have much of a head start. Friday was an important day for Harry and Ron. They finally managed to find their way down to the Great Hall for breakfast without getting lost once. What have we got on today? Harry asked as he poured as Ron poured sugar on his porridge. Double potions with the Slytherins, said Ron. Snake's head of the Slytherin House. "'They say he always favours them. "'We'll be able to see if that's true.' "'Wish McGonagall favoured us,' said Harry. "'Professor McGonagall was the head of Gryffindor House, "'but it hadn't stopped her from giving them "'a huge pile of homework just the day before. "'Just then, the post arrived. "'Harry got used to, used to this by now, "'but it had given, given him a bit of a shock on the first morning.' when about a hundred owls had suddenly streamed into the great hall during breakfast, circling the tables until they saw their owners, and dropping letters and packages onto their laps. Hedwig hadn't bought anything so far. She sometimes flew into Nibbler's ear and have a bit of toast before going to sleep in the owlery with the other school owls. This morning, however, she fluttered down between the marmalade and the sugar bowl and dropped a note onto Harry's plate. Harry tore it open at once. Dear Harry, it said in a very untidy scroll, I know you get Friday afternoons off, so would you like to come round and have a cup of tea with me? About, wait, so would you like to come, so would you like to come and have a cup of tea with me at around three? I want to hear all about your first week. Send us an answer back with Hedwig. Hagrid. Harry borrowed Ron's krill, scribbled yes please see you later on the back of the note and set hegwig off again it was lucky that Hedwig, that harry had tea with hagrid to look forward to because the potions lessons had turned out to be the worst thing that happened so far at the start of term banquet harry had got the idea that professor snape disliked him by the end of the first potions lesson he knew that he'd been wrong snape didn't dislike harry he hated him. Potions lessons took place in one of the dungeons. It was colder down here than up in the main castle and would have been quite creepy enough without all the an- pickled animals floating in glass jars around the walls. Snape, like Flitwick, started the class by taking the register. He paused at Harry's name. And like Flitwick, he paused like har- at Harry's name. Ah, uh, Yes he said softly. Harry Potter. Our new celebrity. Draco Malfoy and his friends, Crab and Goyle, sniggered behind their hands. Snape finished calling the names and looked up at the class. None of his eyes were black like his eyes were black like Hagrid's, but none of them had Hagrid's warmth. They were cold and empty, and made you think of dark tunnels. You hear to Learn the subtle science and exact art of potion making, he began. He barely spoke, he spoke in barely more than a whisper, but they caught every word. Like Professor McGonagall, Snape had the gift of keeping uh, the class silent without effort. There is, as there, when it stopped, uh, as there is a little. Of foolish wand-waving here, many of you hardly expect that this is real magic. I don't expect you to really understand the beauty of the softly simmering cauldron with its shimmering fumes. The delicate power of liquids that creep through human veins. Bewitching the mind and oh. The page no, bewitching the mind, ensnaring the senses, I can tell you how to bottle fame, brew glory, and even stop our death if you aren't as big as a of if you aren't as big a dunder a bunch of dunderheads as I usually have to teach. More silence followed in this little speech. Harry and Ron exchanged looks with raised eyebrows. Hermione Granger was on the edge of the seat and looked desperate to start proving that she wasn't a dunderhead. Potter, said Snape suddenly. What would I get if I added powdered root of asphalt to an effusion of wormwood? Powdered root to a what of an effusion of what? Harry glanced at Ron, who looked as, who looked as stumped as he was. Um, Hermione's hand had shot into the air. I I do not know, sir, said Harry. Give me a sec, that's my sister. Okay, um, just a little hiccup. My sister wanted to read with me, but then she wanted to steal something from me. Then I kicked that out of my room. So, yay. Um, let's keep going. Um, where are we up to? powdered root. Of what? To an effusion of what? Harry glanced at Ron, who looked stumped as he was. Hermione's hand shot in the hair. Eh. Uh, I don't know, sir, said Harry. Snape's lips curled into a sneer. Clearly, fame isn't everything. He ignored Hermione's hand. Let's try again. Potter, where where would you look if you told me if I told you where to find me, a bezor. Hermione's Hermione stretched her hand high into the air as you would go without leaving her seat. But Harry didn't have the faintest idea what a bezor was. He tried not to look at Malfoy Crabbe and Goyle, who was shaking with laughter. I, I don't know, sir. Thought you would you thought you wouldn't open a book before coming, eh Potter? Harry forced himself to look straight into those cold eyes. He had looked through his books of the Dursleys, but did Snape expect him to remember everything in one thousand magical herbs and fungi? Snape was still ignoring Hermione's quivering hand. What is the difference, Potter, between monkshood and Wolfsbane? At this, Hermione stood up, her hand stretching towards the dungeon ceiling. ''I don't know,'' said Harry, quietly. ''I I think Hermione does, though. Why don't you try her?'' A few people laughed. Harry caught Seamus's eyes and Seamus winked. Snape, however, was not pleased. ''Sit down,'' he snapped. ''No, sit down,'' he snapped at Hermione. ''For your information, Potter, Asphodel and Wormwood make a powerful sleeping potion.'' Uh, make a sleeping potion so powerful it is known as the draught of living death. A bezoar a is, is a stone taken from the stomach of a goat and will save you from most potions. As for Muncheon and Wolfsbane, they are quite the same, which also goes by the name of Aconite. Well, why aren't you copying all that down? There was a sudden rummage for the quills and parchment. Over the noise, Snape said, and a point will be taken from Gryffindor House from your for your cheek, Potter. Things didn't improve for the Gryffindors as the potions lesson continued. Snape put them all into pairs and set them uh, set them mixing up a simple potion to cure boils. He swept around in a, he swept around in his long black cloak, watching them weigh dried nettles and crush snake fangs, criticizing almost everyone except Malfoy, whom he seemed to like. He was just telling everyone to look at the perfect way Malfoy had stewed his horned slugs, when clouds of acid green smoke had loud had, and a loud hissing had filled the dungeons. I had filled the dungeons. I filled the dungeon. Neville had somehow managed to melt Shemus's cauldron into a twisted blob, and their potion was seeping across the stone floor across burning holes in people's shoes. Within seconds, the whole class was standing on their stools, while Neville, who had been drenched in the potion, when the cauldron collapsed, moaned in-, moaned in pain as angry Red boils sprang up all over his arms and legs. "'Idiot boy!' snarled Snape, clearing the spilled potion away with one way of his wand. "'I suppose you added the porcupine quills before taking the cauldron off the fire?' Um, Neville wimpled as boils started to pop up all over his nose. Take him to the hospital wing," Snape spat at Seamus. Then he rounded on Harry and Ron, who had been working next to Neville. "You Potter, why didn't you tell him not to add the quills? Thought, it, thought, um, thought he'd make you look good if you got it, if you got it wrong. Did you? That's another point you've lost for Gryffindor." They were so unfair that Harry opened his mouth to argue, but Ron kicked him behind his their cauldron. Don't push it, he muttered. He muttered, I've heard Snape can turn very nasty. He as they climbed the steps out of the dungeon an hour later, Harry's mind was uh, Harry's mind was racing and his spirits were low. he lost two points for Gryffindor and his very first week. Why did Snape hate him so much? Cheer up, said Ron. Snape's always taking points off Fred and George. Can I come and meet Hagrid with you? At at three to five, they left the castle and made their way across the grounds. Hagrid lived in a small wooden house on the edge of the Forbidden Forest. A cross, a brosbro and a pair of galishes were outside the front door. When Harry knocked, they they heard a frantic scrabbling from inside. Then a several voice. Then a several. Oh yeah, and several booming barks. Then a Hagrid's voice rang out, saying, "Back, Fang, back." Hagrid's big hairy face appeared in the crack as he pulled it open. "Hang on," he said. "Back, Fang, back." He let them in, struggling to hold, hold on the collar of an enormous black boarhound. There was only one room inside. Hams and pheasants were hanging from the ceiling. A copper kettle was boiling on the open fire, and corner stood, and in a corner stood a massive bed with a patchwork quilt over it. "Make yourselves at home," said Hagrid, letting go of Fang, who bounded straight at Ron and started licking his ears. "Like, like Hagrid." Fang was clearly not as fierce as he looked. "This is Ron," Harry told Hagrid. He was pour he was pouring boiling water onto a large teapot and putting rock cakes onto a plate. "Another Weasley, eh?" said Hagrid, gla- glancing at Ron's fleckles. Spent half my life chasing your twin brothers away from the forest. The rock cakes almost broke their teeth, but Harry and Ron pretended to be enjoying them as they told Hagrid about their first lessons. Fang rested his head on Harry's knee and drooled all over his robes. And Harry and Ron were delighted to hear that Hagrid had called Filch that old git. And as for that cat Mrs. Norris, I'd like to introduce her to Fang sometime. Do you know, every time I go up to the school, she follows me everywhere. Can't get rid of her. Phil puts her up to it. Harry told Hagrid about about Snape's lesson. Hagrid, like Ron, told Harry not to worry about it, but that Snape hardly liked any of the students. But he really seemed to hate me. Rubbish, said Hagrid. Why should he? Yet Harry couldn't help thinking that Hagrid didn't quite meet his eyes when he said that. ''How is your brother Charlie?'' Hagrid asked Ron. ''I liked him a lot. Great with animals.'' Harry wondered if Hagrid had changed the subject on purpose. While Ron told Hagrid all about Charlie's work with dragons, Harry picked up a piece of paper that was lying under the table, under the tea cozy. It was a cutting from the Daily Prophet. Gringotts' latest break-in. Investigations continue Investigations continue into the break-in at Gringotts on thirty-first of July, widely believed to be the work of dark witches or wizard, or wizards or witches unknown. Gringotts goblins today insisted that nothing was taken. The vault that had been searched had, in fact, been emptied the same day. We're not telling you what was in there, so keep your nose noses out of. ''Keep your noses out of it if you know what's good for you,'' said a Gringotts spokesgoblin this afternoon. Harry remembered Ron telling him on the train that someone had tried to rob Gringotts, but Ron hadn't mentioned the date. ''Harry! Hagrid!'' said Harry. ''That that Gringotts break-in happened on my birthday. It might have been happening while we were there. There was no doubt about it. Hagrid definitely didn't meet Harry's eyes this time. He grunted and offered him another rock cake.'' Harry read the story again. The vault, was that was searched, had in fact been emptied this earlier that same day. Hagrid had emptied vault seven hundred and thirteen. If you could um, seven hundred and thirteen. If you could call it emptying, taking out a grubby little package, had that been what the fears were looking for? As Harry and Ron walked back to the castle for dinner. Their pockets weighed with rock cakes that they'd been too polite to refuse. Harry thought that none of the lessons so far had given him as much time to, as much to think about as tea with Hagrid. Had Hagrid collected that package just in time? Where was it now? Uh, and did Hagrid know something about Snape that he didn't want to tell Harry? That's going to be all for today. Um, Thank you for listening if you made it this far. Please make sure to follow me on whatever platform you're listening to this to and leave a rating and a review and a voice message link down below. I would really appreciate it if you could share these with your friends and family as if they enjoy Harry Potter, uh, it would be really, really great if you could do that. Um, Yeah, spread my love of Harry Potter with Everyone, please, uh, and thank you for all the support that you've been giving me, all the people who've been listening to my latest, uh, episodes, uh, I really, really hope you enjoyed this episode. The next chapter is chapter nine, the Midnight Duel. Um, I might give a little bit of a sneak peek, uh, Malfoy challenges Harry to a duel, and they meet in the trophy room, but not telling what happens um so i really hope you enjoyed and i guess i'll see you next time i'll probably see if i can fit it in tomorrow because uh four days a bit is a very long time but i think that's like a record maybe since i've done my podcast how long i've uh, uploaded an episode anyway i really hope you enjoyed this uh episode of reading harry potter with a hundred and i'll see you guys tomorrow or in two days time one or the other